Good morning. This almost didn't happen. I wasn't sure I was going to make this meeting. If you look really, really close, you'll see I have a bun of love, or as Beyonce says, a love on top. It's not just COVID weight. Mm, well, it did happen during a year when we were supposed to be like locked down and away from everything. But in less than two, eight, two weeks, his arrival will be here. And apparently, I like to live on the edge, which my mom hates. In some ways, I guess that's part of my brand. You live like it's your last day, and by the time it's over, you rest. You rest because you've done everything for everyone, and you've made your, everyone's life a little better. Let's get started on my official presentation. When Catherine asked me to present, originally, I said no. I thought, what do I have to share? What do people want to hear from me? She twisted my arm, and here we are. I'm keynoting Sunday of this spectacular conference. Today, I'll speak about three points, and they all connect to each other. The first one is do you. Simply do you. And for me, this is the most difficult one. It's not difficult to, be, to do me, because when you have a name like Shalia, you don't get to hide. Oh, and then there's the big red blonde hair, which you don't get to see today, but there's no hiding. It's not the authenticity that challenges me. It's really sometimes the consequences of authenticity that makes me overthink and many times overcorrect. I've been working on it for years. Between journaling, extensive walking, a trainer, a therapist, an executive coach, a pastor, I finally made some headway. But in all honesty, it's really my kid, you'll learn more about him later, that got me where I need to be. As you know, kids are brutal. They give it to you raw, straight facts. And between daycare, COVID, big jobs, and simply life, you have to find your superpowers to survive. We all have superpowers. Well, we being women. And let's talk about the four superheroes on this slide. Without context, they don't seem to really have much in common at all. But I can guarantee you that each of you knows exactly who each person is or has a general idea of what each person stands for. You have a strong reaction, positive or negative, to each person. And you know, the reason for that is what they do have in common. Each of these women have a very distinct brand. Let's start with Oprah. Oprah, she's the ultimate superhero to me. I mean, I once declared that I wanted to be just like her. Well, I've declared it a few times. I wanted to be bold, and I want you to think, consider all the things she's done. I wanted to be a connector. She's the ultimate plug, as the kids say. Think about it. Dr. Oz, Dr. Phil, Ayanla, and even President Obama have all made some presence in this world because of her endorsement. And Oprah is polished. Well, not so much if you're looking at her social media, but she has looked perfect no matter her size. Then there's Mrs. Michelle Obama. I was able to, to see her um, speak while she promoted her book. And y'all, we got shortchanged while she served as the uh, first lady. Other than her arms, which were like, amazing, in her fashion sense, we have been made to believe that she was quiet and a supportive wife. But nope, 
Mm-mm. On that book tour, we learned she was smart, she was opinionated, she was a fierce mom, a great dancer, a supportive wife, and she had her own feelings, strong feelings. I'll tell you, George Bush, who we all know is like her secret love of her life, knew something we didn't. There's Miranda Priestly. Now, you might not know her, but here's a famous line. Bore someone else with your questions. It's my favorite line from The Devil Wears Prada. And if you watch the movie, she's gotten a bad rep for being authentic, competitive, direct, and brilliant. And in the movie, you you know why. She doesn't really hold back. Miranda was about business and was serious about her business. Then there's Kris Jenner. Well, Kris. Oh, Kris. I'll tell you, she absolutely is one of my famous brands. She's like the mastermind behind the Kardashian kingdom. She's got sass, is young at heart, and she's a fierce advocate for her family. So love or like any four of them, they are brands. And the fact is, the people we struggle with in life are those we don't really know what they stand for. We know what these four women stand for. If we don't know what you stand for, we don't feel connected to you, whether positively or negatively. We can easily forget you, and then, like, if you don't have a brand, you just disappear. Let's, this, let's use this as a starting point to understanding the importance of branding ourselves as leaders. First and foremost, we need to have a good understanding of what doing you feels like. That way, as you begin to actually do the work and do you, you will know when you are going in the right direction. So, what does it look like when you're doing you? When you're yourself? When you're true and authentic and people can pinpoint the values that align with you or perhaps the values that are not connected to you. This isn't easy. It it doesn't happen overnight because many of us have been conditioned to drown out what makes us who we really are, especially us as women. We've been coached and sometimes forced into descriptors that help people swallow us or accept us. Sometimes we downplay our role or job titles and experiences so we can fit in. For example, many of us have walked into a room and introduced ourselves and said we work in education. That makes people assume we're teachers when you're in fact the superintendent. I know I've done it. Someone said, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I work in communications. Hello, I was the chief of communications, right? Since many of you um, are blaming anxiety or talking to your neighbor and you're shaking your head, I know that you get this. Another example for me is I was really worried about how people would view me as a mom after I had Alden, my first son. First, because I was an old mom, the general public assumed that I wanted to advance my career instead of having a a family. Nope. So I didn't want to talk about the trials and tribulations of motherhood with others. I mean, I had standard answers when people asked about him or my plans. And then I realized, you know what? Motherhood, the journey, and the everyday challenges have really primed me to be a leader. And it provided me some perspective. I think about the decisions we make in our school district and how it'll impact parents very differently now. I consider how my child will be impacted by the policies or the curriculum. And well, now, Alden is famous in so many rooms. He's loved by people he's never met. And I'd venture to say 
in our district in Aldine, we've made some bold decisions because he may have been the face of a young black boy and not just another number, all because I decided to do me. We need to realize that we are enough, period. Remember that basing your sense of self on how you received in situations and understand that whenever or wherever you are in a workplace or gathering or setting might not be the right fit for you. And you'll only know that when you're able to do you. Your next question may be like, how do I tap into who I am authentically and how do I identify my unique value? Well, many of you may have participated in the workshop I led earlier in the, in the conference, Telling Your Story as a Leader. There we discussed the importance of identifying your top three. And I've actually guided many of the leaders that I support by helping them to identify their top three. I think your top three is a foundation building for telling our stories as leaders and branding ourselves as leaders. It's the same. You have to start with your purpose and your guiding principles to effectively articulate the values that guide you as a leader. You can't wait for an emergency to decide what your values are. It just doesn't work. Although I give the last year with COVID, social unrest, CRT, I'd give that maybe that year, this year has helped us decide what was important. But identifying these three things that make you invaluable, which ultimately who you are as a person, forms the foundation of your thought leadership. Meaning, simply, what you're bringing to the table that nobody else can bring. What can people benefit from being around you? So it's important to note that the top three don't have to be work-related. You're not picking the best things about your job, the best things that you get evaluated on. You're picking the best things about you and leading with those things in mind. So as we think about how do you identify that, I tell you to think about these questions. What would someone say about you that they cannot separate from you? Go back to our brand examples. You know, Kris Kardashian is driven by family. That really has nothing to do with her, her business, but they connect. What can people say about you or what can you talk about without being scripted? What did you love in elementary school? I'll give you some examples. I mean, you have to hear from me. So I'll talk to you. Uh, I'll talk about me personally. The photo you see is of my now two-year-old son, Alden. It perfectly captures my top three. One is the lifting the experience of those who are always the star of the show. He's a little person and he needs someone to speak up for him. The next one is exposure and experiences. I did a podcast once and talked about how Alden will always travel or go with us when possible. And my mom, after listening, called and said, I get it now. I know why you don't want me to keep him when you go out of town or babysit. You want him to see the world. And she's right. I want him to change the world. The third one is reading and learning. We're a reading family. I mean, not just because our last name is Reed, but everybody. Alden has probably more books than most of us in this room. And he really makes me read to him every single night. Right now, Goodnight Moon is in the rotation with a book about him being a big brother. And then there's the 100 first words. And Lord have mercy, I don't want to see or hear the word sock, baby, and dog again. So we're still building. We're on to point two. The first one is do you. The second one is about growing. You've already identified that you are magical and that you have superpowers. But even the best can get better. So let's focus on grow. 
As I look back on my career and pinpoint the significant points of growth, I can sum up the circumstances that became the catalyst for my growth, my professional growth. Please note, this took some work. I did not walk around with a notebook um, and journal and said, oh, I'm going to be better. No, I do have a notebook. Um, but because we, you're usually caught up in reaction, most of the time we don't know I've grown until the next thing happens. There's a few readisms in life, and one of those is never waste a crisis. And I'll be honest and tell you, like, this growth isn't something that just happens overnight. Like, you have to really work on it. Um, when you never waste a crisis, I think you take stock on how, as a leader, you're able to respond to a crisis. And, you know, we've had some challenges this year, but I can think of a few times in my professional career that I had to realize I was something different. Uh, I was a newspaper editor in, high, in college. And one night when we were working on the newspaper, we were putting it to bed. It was probably nine o'clock and the phone rang in the newsroom. I think the whole room stopped and was like, what, what's happening? When we answered the phone, it was a news outlet telling us that our, one of our buses or vans with full of our students had crashed and it rolled over. And they anticipated that some of the students would pass away. What I know is in that moment, I was no longer just a student. I was somewhere between a student, a liaison for the media, a contact for the university. I really had in that moment to figure out what could I do to like help solve this problem. Um, I used that opportunity to really grow into something else. You know, I could have just sat as a student newspaper editor and just responded, but instead I connected with people that I knew that may have had some information. I was able to share that with the news media and then able to share that with the, the university. You know, I think back now in many of the, the instances that have, I've had to deal with crisis as a professional and I go back to that time and can really see that I used, I, I grew from that. So there's things that are happening all around me, you know, whether it's COVID or, you know, unfortunately a student passing away or a fire or, you know, a media uh, camera right in my face. And I've realized, you know, if I think way back to that experience, it's probably from there that I've learned some leadership lessons. So I'm going to tell you, never waste a crisis. Another example of, I think, me never wasting a crisis is that I worked at a university, a local university in Texas, and I was hired to do the marketing. That was just my job. Make sure that everyone knew the benefits of going to the university. Shortly after working there, um, my boss, who happened to be the executive director of communications, she got a phone call about the president of the university who was under investigation. She needed an outlet. She needed someone to talk to. Again, I could have been the youngest person in the room, shot away from the experience, but I really became a, a partner she could brainstorm with, who she could process through the information she received. And I'll tell you, the, time, the six months that I spent working on that particular issue, I too learned so much from that crisis experience. I learned you have to stay ready. I learned you need to be available. I learned you need to be able to pivot. Remember, I was hired just to do marketing. I quickly became a crisis response member. I, I, I quickly became a liaison to the media. That wasn't what I was hired to do, but sometimes you have to do what you have to do um, in the media ex example. What I've learned from that is to stay open, to always grow and be willing to learn. You know, I just was talking to one of my colleagues about the, the idea of wonder. You have to, to always be able to build on what you know. Look for another way to do it. 
You know, another example of growing is volunteering. Many times I've been in a room or on a committee or in a, in a situation and someone said, how do you know that? <laughs> why, why do you know that? You know, your job is X. Why do you know uh, about these things that are happening in curriculum or instruction? You know, my husband is a, um, <laughs> works with those who have disabilities. I can tell you so much about uh, those, uh, about special, um, special education, not because he talks about it, but because I'm listening always and I want to develop more of what I already know. I want to know a little bit about everything. And I encourage you to do that. Again, this is about me, but I'm helping you to understand how you can grow on the things uh, you already have as a leader. Um, one of those things, the last thing I want to tell you about is do something you've never done before. You know, sometimes we volunteer to be, you know, in a part of an organization. Other times we're voluntold. And although, um, although Catherine twisted my arm to do this, I'll say that I was voluntold to, to present today. It's not something I initially wanted to do, not something I was afraid of doing, but it's something I've never done before. And I'll tell you, preparing for this presentation, you know, preparing to record this, thinking about what I was going to present, it has stretched me in a new way. It's, it's taken some fears um, and, and put them right in front of me and made me address them. So volunteer to do something you've never done before. Stretch yourself. And that may be wearing a, new, a different color. That may be sitting next to someone you've never sat next to. That may be eating lunch alone. That may be going somewhere you've never been, but it's going to grow you as a leader. The very last one is, is be okay with shedding some skin. Now, I, I um, majored in communications, right? And for many people that means, well, you can do all things related to communications. That is not true. <laughs> I'm not a graphic designer. I'm not really a photographer, though if you put a camera in front of me, I could do some uh, damage. I'm really a reporter at heart. And so, you know, when I graduated with my journalism degree, I became a reporter. Um, I wrote um, newspaper articles and, you know, went out and reported on stories every day. It got boring for me. And so I switched to communications and, and really focused on public relations. Well, I worked at Prairie View a University and led communications there. And many times that, that included telling the stories of the things that were happening, that meant planning events. That meant sometimes just being in the room as decisions were made. There's an example that I have. I loved, loved that job. It was the best job I've ever had. Um, but I also was kind of feeling like, well, what am I doing here? What am I learning? How am I growing? Well, the marching storm, if you follow Prairie View, you know that's our marching band. We're proud of our marching band. We know we're the best band in the land. And I was doing an interview with, I think it was Fox 26. And um, I don't remember what it was about, but the reporter asked me, have you ever considered TV? And I was thinking, not at all. <laughs> I don't belong in front of a camera. Well, he asked me again at the end of the interview, like, are you sure? Like, you've never been an anchor. You've never even considered the front of the, of the camera. And I said, no. A few weeks later, I got to thinking about, like, what could I do differently? And that ultimately led me to apply for a position as the press secretary of Houston Independent School District. 
And if you know anything about the largest school district in Texas, you know that I spent a lot of time in front of a camera. I could have still been a reporter. I still could be at Prairie View right now reporting about, you know, student students coming back to school. I could be reporting about, you know, the the the, the pivot to online education in higher ed. But I think that that shedding of what I knew or what I thought was me, the shedding of my skin, really grew me. And, you know, years later, here I am talking to you and supporting leaders in Aldine as a chief of staff. So you have to continue to find ways to grow and change and evolve. It's not like you're getting rid of what you were. You're using that again to build on your leadership. All right, we're still talking about growing. This time it's about focusing on finding your cheerleaders. How many of you are sports fans? Okay, I know there's people in this room that are Dallas fans. Many people in Texas also root for New Orleans. No, I'm talking about Houston Texans fans. Houston Astros fans. Houston Rockets fans. Houston, if you're an Astros fan or a Rockets fan or a Texans fan, you really know what it feels like to be a supporter of your team no matter what. It's been hard to be a Houston a professional sports team supporter. It has been a difficult couple years. My, my husband is a, um, a season ticket holder for the Texans, and I'll tell you, he couldn't even get rid of his tickets this year. We were trying to get someone to sit in his seat because he couldn't go, and no one wanted to respond back to the text. I mean, they're good seats. It's like that. So when you're finding cheerleaders, you want someone who no matter what, winning or losing, they're standing next to you. And, you know, I want to talk about how it feels for you to make your own cheerleaders, for you to find your tribe. I want you to think about finding people who can support you no matter how good or how bad you're doing. And they're also going to be the people that remind you of what your values are, right? What it means to be you. That group has to be diverse. It has to be people who are just like you. It needs to be people who have nothing in common with you but really are supportive of where you're going. Um, did you know that the five people you spend the most time with really influence your actions? Think about that. Maybe even pull out your phone. Who are the five people that you're texting, FaceTiming, talking to? Many of them have something to do with work, but really dig deep. Who are those five people? What are their values? Are they connected to you? Are they bringing you up? Are they bringing you down? without even knowing that those five people are really your cheerleaders. Is that who you want cheering for you when you're winning? Is that who you want cheering for you when you're losing? As you build out your support system, remember that you're also part of someone else's support system. And by doing that, you, you have to play an active role. Um, again, I'll give you an example. In some circles, people call me the ultimate connect. Again, that's slang. Uh, the young kids say it. Um, what that means is that people are counting on me to connect them with something else. You wouldn't believe the things people have asked me. Hey, Shalia, do you know someone that lives in Rhode Island? Hey, Shalia, I'm looking for, you know, um, someone who can get me some red high heel shoes or some red boots. You know, Shalia, do you know someone as a party planner? Shalia, I'm looking for this. And believe it or not, I could probably answer yes to that. And, and the reason why is because I'm looking to connect people. When I meet someone, I'm trying to figure out, hmm, is there someone else that needs to know them? 
I'm trying to be an active part of their support system because ultimately I know that what they bring to the table will be part of my system as well, whether it's them or the person that they know or the person that they connect me with. You know, as part of being uh, part of a cheerleading system or, you know, growing, we have to get out of the habit of being competitive. You know, there's room at the table for all of us. You know, the other day I was talking to someone about, you know, all these awards that people are winning. And at the end of the day, just make up a new award if that's the one you want. You know, there's an opportunity for us all to win. Um, if there's only one seat at the table and you see someone else come into the room, rather than, you know, say, well, there's no more seats. Why don't you scoot over and have them pull up a, a chair at the table so that their growth, so that their ability and their strengths and their values are sitting at the table with you? Um, one thing I remind myself often when I think about is there room to win or how to not be competitive is that my grandmother had nine children, six boys and three girls, and not a single one of them went, went without food. Think about that. I mean, sure, they may have eaten beans. They may not have had full plates, but they never starved. It's a reminder that we can all win. We can all eat. We can all succeed. There is room at the table. But all this comes with a caveat. So um, you remember I told you we were a reading family. One of the uh, books that I most recently read is by Tabitha Brown. And if you don't know who she is, she is a social media um, kind of personality that has turned her life into something pretty amazing. She has a, her own seasoning line. She has a show on YouTube Kids called Tab Time. Um, she's written a book. She's the voice on Calm. Like, can y'all imagine? Like her voice is so calming. Uh, you have to look her up. But in her book, she said, sometimes you have to go by yourself. And when I read it in the book, and then when I heard her speak, that really blew me away. Because sometimes people don't, they're still your cheerleaders, but they don't know where you're going. They can't see the vision. So they can't cheer for you because they don't have the same values or thoughts or dreams um, that you have. And sometimes you have to do it by yourself. And that can be scary, but it's a reminder that we still have to stick to what we want. We have to know what our values are. You know, I, I, I often think about, you know, um, when I applied for Aldine, many people didn't know what Aldine was or where it was because my friends aren't all in, aren't all in education. I mean, for me, it's the ninth largest school district in the state of Texas, it's north of Houston, so it's like a no-brainer. But they're thinking, what? Where is that? Why would you leave the largest school district to go to a smaller one? Again, sometimes you have to go by yourself and go with your gut and how it aligns with their values. It's a hard pill to swallow, but if your cheerleaders are really your cheerleaders, they'll support your decision if it aligns to your values. So the last one, do you grow and lastly shine? You know, over the last 10 years, that word has showed up in my life in so many different ways. It all starts with a story about how I got a business card holder and on the back it said shine. And my boss at the time who gave it to me said, I don't know what it is, but there's a light about you and I can't just figure it out. Um, that sparked, you know, this word shine showing up in so many different ways. Um, it takes on multiple forms. You know, it's like, you know, shining a light into the world, being a shining space, you know, helping, other, you know, lighting the way for other people. But I think Ella Baker's point 
is right. Give light and people will find the way. And so in this way, I hope you understand that when you shine, you're actually leading others. As you grow into your leadership, it's important to remember you have to be comfortable in owning your success and talking about your wins. This happens to also be a part that we women tend to shy away from. But it's the most important part of telling our stories, of, of building our brand. We have to remember to celebrate who we are. It's not always about the awards, though. We all made it past in the past two years, and that alone is a success. No one gave us an award for, for, for making it through COVID. I admit I wanted to quit and wait for instruction several times, but I didn't. I made it, and that's something to celebrate. We all played a different part in adapting and keeping our school districts afloat, and we should own all of that success. Remember, one person doesn't always own an accomplishment. If you lead a team or you're on a team that won an award or completed a huge project, that team's accomplishments are also yours. And this is a big one. Remember, one person doesn't always own an accomplishment. If you lead a team or are on a team that won an award or completed a huge project, that team's accomplishments are also yours. Now, here's a big one. Um, when I started a, a, a job, a woman I hardly knew came up to my desk and essentially told me my whole bio. Um, after some research, I found out this woman was a friend of my dad and my dad, who's a consistent bragger, had told her a lot about me. It turns out that he had bragged about her and gave her a play-by-play -play of all my successes. I mean, down from high school. Yeah, she went to a journalism camp. Yeah, she did this. Yeah, she did that. Now, you have to know my dad to really understand this. And Dr. Goffney's laughing right now because she's met my dad. My dad leads life with stories about his kids. Um, soon, it's not going to be about me. It's going to be about his grandkids. But he's probably somewhere right now telling a bank teller about how good his grandson is at baseball. And I'll admit, my son is really good at baseball. Um, but what I recognize is that my dad has done a better job of keeping score of my accomplishments than I have. He could tell you the salary I first had at my first job. He could tell you the very first award I received, probably what I wore. And I mentioned I was a newspaper reporter. The very, front page, the very first front page story I wrote is framed at his house. Excuse me, it's matted and framed. Like the thing is big. It's on his wall. And, you know, most of us, we tend to move on. But my dad has really remembered all these things. Most of us do the thing and just move on. Then when it comes time for a review or you want to get a new job or a raise, we've forgotten all the things that we've done. Here's the thing. Too often we lead with humility. But what we have to remember is that when it comes time to brag, it has to be you. You have to be your biggest cheerleader. I encourage you, um, at the end of every week, put together a list of your weekly wins. Formal or not, just write them down. Then summarize at the end of every month and take a look back on how your wins, what your wins are, and consolidate them. Categorize at the end of a full year. Take stock in your successes and use them to update your bio, your resume, your LinkedIn profile. And here... Here's the important part. Add time to your calendar to make sure that you're taking time to do this. So when you're ready, you have an updated bio and you, you have your next speaking opportunity or a current resume and link profile. 
when someone asks for it. When the perfect promotion comes along, you don't have to scramble to get your resume ready. I give this advice to my colleagues in direct reports so that they are ready when review time comes. You should always be able to speak to the amazing things you are doing in your day-to-day work. Don't wait for me to remember. Don't wait for your boss to remember. The very last thing, it's important to remember that when we shine, it's not just for ourselves. As leaders, we have a responsibility to pave the light for those who come after us. Shining bright doesn't mean dimming anyone else's light. We need to remember that when more of us shine, the brighter our world becomes. Think about how we cheered when the women's major league soccer team fought for pay equality. We wanted them to win. Somehow that was connected to us. So I'd like to end this presentation with a story. I host our district's podcast called All The Things. You should follow it now. We recently had our one year anniversary and there's an episode titled The The Valiant Woman. It's absolutely my favorite. I interviewed Tamika Alfred Stevens and Katie Rohde because I know that they have some amazing stories. I had to trick them to be in the podcast, like literally trick them. One's our chief business and operations officer and one is our chief of schools. Amazing women, but they were shy. I mean shy. They were scared and shaking and you know avoiding me. But this ended up being our very best episode that many people have ever heard. People were emailing and calling, and oftentimes it's an icebreaker in a room where people want to talk about it. They loved hearing their stories in this podcast. This is exactly why, a perfect example of why we have to tell our stories as leaders. When we do so, we, are, we inspire so many others to lead as their true selves, and the world ultimately becomes a much better and shinier place. So. Do you grow and shine. Peace.